This means nigga, nigga, nigga. You are now rocking with the super califragilistic expiala dope shit. Your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast, featuring on the verge artists, established influencers, and people from all walks of life doing dope shit. With your host Emiliano Styles. All right, what's up? What's up? Welcome to the first, the very first of many, 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 many shows, many podcasts. First thing I want to do is. I'd like to introduce y'all to my good brother. He's a global citizen. He's a travel expert who has visited six continents. He's hit up over 50 countries and counting. He's an adventure traveler who has ran with the bulls in Spain, swam with jellyfish in Palau, cuddled with koala bears in Australia. He got his snow dogs on by dog sledding in Michigan. He, he jumped off the world's largest bungee swing in Durban, South Africa. And he's done hang gliding in Brazil. He's a brand ambassador who has emceed and hosted events all over the states for companies such as Lipton, Pillsbury, Nike, and the National Football League. He has his own online travel show that documents his travels and has been featured on Essence.com, Ebony.com, Men'sFitness.com, I'm going to stop saying .com, but just Huffington Post, AOL, Time, Fortune, Travel and Leisure, and the grill, to name a few. He's a three-time winner of the LA Web Fest for Travel and Lifestyle Series. He's produced films and travel videos with Ford and Lincoln Motors. He's a professional eater. He's a ghetto ballerina. He was listed by Elite Daily as being one of the top 12 travel bloggers that you should follow on Snapchat. He's a Snapchat Kang, by the way, because Uprocks also featured him. I can go on and on and on, but you've heard some of his accomplishments, but you're going to hear directly from the man himself and get insight about where he's come from, his background, what makes him tick, and what gets him inspired. It is my pleasure to introduce to you my good friend, Worldwide Nate. And what we're going to do here is, this is a rapid fire session, so I'm just going to give you a choice between two things. Don't give me any explanations. Just say which one you prefer. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Martin or Malcolm? Malcolm. Rihanna or Beyonce? Rihanna. Creation or evolution? Creation. Android or Apple? Apple. What you don't know won't hurt you or straight and narrow? What you, know, what you don't know won't hurt you. Brutal honesty or white lies? Brutal honesty. In the light or in the dark? In the light. Kobe or LeBron? LeBron. Generational wealth or familial happiness? Generational wealth. Career or family? Family. Marriage or long-term commitment? Marriage. <laughs> Pac or Biggie? Biggie. Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. HBO or Showtime? HBO. The Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire. Autumn or summer? Summer. All right, so this is uh, Worldwide Nate, a.k.a. Nathan Fuellen. So I just want to get some background information for those of us who don't know too much about you. So where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Calumet City. Too close, too close to the mic. Oh, okay. My bad, my bad. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I grew up in Calumet City, Illinois, mm-hmm. south suburb of Chicago. Also grew up in the city too, but I'm from Calumet City. All right. And I spent some time in East Chicago, Indiana, Northwest Indiana. Shout out to my Indiana people. But I'm, I'm an ill state baby. Like, how was it growing up in Chicago with the family? Like, I know you got so much family. I, I joke with Nate a lot because he has, like, I don't know, probably about two million cousins. Yeah, we don't die. We multiply. It's like everywhere I go, you're like, oh, yeah, that's my cousin. Yeah. That's my cousin. We like unofficial Nigerians. All right. So, um. But, yeah, life was good, man. Looking back as an adult, I had a. Uh, I lived in a bubble, you know, like I lived in a middle class black neighborhood. You know, I had a whole bunch of black friends. All my friends had both of they had two parents in the household. Both of parents had jobs. We used to ride bikes, you know, go to the sand park, go swimming during the summers. You know, it was no crime. You know, we go to the, the, the corner store to get some candy and stuff and you know, it was just a great time, especially during the summer. Like, summers are epic, but I just had a a great, like, inc- incubated, like, black life that, that we all, like, strive for in the suburbs. I noticed, like, a lot of people from Chicago, they have a lot of pride in Chicago, but where does that, where does that pride come from? Well, we just had, I, I think it comes, you, the pride comes into play when you leave Chicago, because... I mean, it was just so much dope stuff going on as a child. Like, just like looking back, we we my life was ne- had never had a dull moment. We just had so much stuff to do, and then when you step outside of Chicago and see the resources and the, and the activities that people had available to them, or the different types of personalities with black people, or just the variety of black people that um that I've seen that populate different cities. It was just you you you, see, you understand that Chicago has just like a, a a huge range of just like the dynamic of it from like being in the suburbs and majority of people that's from the suburbs they got family in the city and it's always you have some type of element connecting element connecting you to the city so even though you might have just grown up in the suburbs you just always like probably originated from the city or you went to church there you went shopping always in the city or you know your parents worked in the city so you always felt that you were like from the city but then like you know there are there's some separation between the burbs and the city but you just always like know you like you from chicago and it's like it was it was just as a very strong presence that was enhanced when you know when i left okay so growing up in chicago like what type of Elementary school did you go to? Like, what was that like? Like, were you a good student? Were you in trouble? Were you in ISS? Man, nah, you know, I was, I was like an alarm anomaly, man. I, my mom had me in private school. My sister, she always went to the, to the public schools, and then I always went, I always went to private school. So it was kind of like a, a bittersweet thing. Like I was all, I never got a chance to like, as a child, go to school with my friends and ride the bus and had those like public school situations I was always around like white kids at Lutheran private school like all growing so you, up so you wore a uniform yeah I wore a uniform what like was, every what day was uniform? What was the uniform? man you know it's funny to school too. I went to a different private school every year mm. like until high school so my mom like she'd be like you like this school I'm like nah and then she'll put me in a new school so 
I went through so many different uniforms, but I mean, it was always a typical, probably some some gray pants and a, and a sweater or something plaid in it, you know, but never never one of those like highfalutin schools where I had a blazer and nothing like that. I wasn't Carlton Banks, like the Fresh Prince, but you know, it was something with a collar every day and at least a polo or, or a button up that I had to wear. Oh, okay, okay. So, all right. Never got suspended or nothing like that. I did get suspended did. in the, in the in the seventh grade. What you get suspended for? I got my mom sent me to like maybe the, the conservative white school, and then this white dude he had said some slick to me. I can't remember what it was, but I had chased his. I chased him. <laughs> I chased his ass. That dude, a little a little punk ass dude, ran right into the principal's office. But I was I was trying to whoop his ass, but. Yeah, and I had got suspended, but you know, it's like my mom already kind of—I guess she already knew that that would probably happen, so she wasn't even tripping. But it was a—it was an in-school suspension, and I remember like, man, bringing back memories. I had to write like sentences, like seven hundred sentences, and we had to like, like rip up some stuff. Like it was like some little soft manual labor, but I have no regrets about that situation. But that—that that was like the one time. Oh, you know what? I got suspended in high school. I, I was like having a bad day and I cursed out my art teacher and I got suspended and I got suspended right before I, my senior year and out before I was gonna go to homecoming because I had never went to a homecoming because every year our homecoming was doing Circle City Classic and then my senior year I was like man I'm gonna go to homecoming because Circle City Classic was a different year and I was gonna go with my with my best friend we was gonna go to the homecoming dance and I had and I got suspended I had I called I was like man I can't go to homecoming I got I got suspended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you went to high school. Like, what what were you doing in high school? Like, you uh, you play sports. You used the AV club. What, what was going on? Yeah, in high yeah sports. I was just, I was all. I played football my freshman year. Ran what position some, you played football. I played a few of them. I didn't get a lot of playing time. That was my first year ever playing football. So that wasn't like oh, a sport okay. that I played for the first time and quickly adapted to. It was just like. It was like I, I I got that experience in, but the positions I did play was tight end, defensive back, wide receiver, and um, and defensive line. I think I may have played that yeah, for yeah, a few you, plays. Yeah, but I was I was all over the place for the times I got into the game. It was more like something to do, and then um, basketball. You know, played freshman year, played varsity, and you know basketball is my sport. It was pretty pretty decent in basketball. I had a terrible coach. The worst coach, probably worst human being I've encountered as an adolescent was Coach Charlie Paul, who was also the dean of the school. Dang, shouting out his name. Yeah, but he was he was an asshole. Hopefully he hears it one day. Hope he hears his interview. But he was he was a jerk. And uh he just did not understand like development. He was he he tried to be a he was a fake ass Bobby Knight. He tried to be like Bobby Knight and really try to be real tough uh, and all this when it's just like I'm I'm 16, 17 years old, you know, I'm still a child. You supposed to be developing, you know, me as a player, like first of as a man, first and foremost, but even as a player after that. Yeah. You know, it's like life skills and seeing what, what strengths I have. And, you know, build those up while seeing what weaknesses I have and nurture those so I can be a better player, so I can contribute to the team. But they was in that good old boy political, you know, saying like, oh, they want, you know, such such and such son to play more and all this other stuff. And, you know, instead of like trying to win and looking at the the elements that you have on the team and the talent that you have in the school, let's, let's win some games. But they was on that, you know, that old racist white bullshit. And that's what happened. Now, let's. 
fast forward to college. Where'd you go to college? I went to first. Actually, the first college I went to was Payne College in Augusta, Georgia. And a lot of people don't know this. And I was in '98, yeah. and I went there for a semester. I was having a great time, but I, I had um, I tapped out. I plateaued as far as like me wanting to be there. And I remember my mother, she had... Um, Hold on, man. How do you end up at Payne College in the first place? Man, I went on a college tour my, my senior year in college. Me, my cousin Ryan, and my cousin Travis, also known as Trav is these days. Shout out to Trav is. And we had, a, we had a great time. We went on this college tour with this uh, Coach Piggy. At, uh, he was the coach at, at um, Horseman High School. Gary Horseman, Gary, Indiana. Gary Horseman High School closed down now but we went to we went to South Carolina State went to Savannah State went to Morehouse Clark Atlanta FAMU Alabama a and I'm missing a school here and there and then we, we tried to get to Tennessee State but it was a tornado and then we went to Payne College in Augusta Georgia and uh, so I went to Payne that's how I discovered Augusta Georgia and at that time I wanted to get as far away from Chicago as possible okay. and I went down there had a great time met some some great people my boy Cleon Bashir my boy Eric from LA and you know it was my first time away from home and, and adapted pretty well I never got homesick or anything I just enjoyed being away met some some amazing people from Georgia country people great accents very nice sweet people I love, I love, I enjoy my time at Payne College, but my mother called me and she was like, you want to transfer? She's like, you don't have to wait till the end of the year. You can transfer like after the semester. I was like, yeah. I like, she was like, you want to go to Tennessee State? I was like, yeah, that's where I wanted to go first. And uh, my what cousin her, Keisha what, what was going there. Oh, because your cousin was right there. Yeah, my cousin, oh, okay. she was a, she was a senior there, engineer student. And um, yeah, I had submitted my, I had got my grades and uh, submitted my application, got accepted. And I was on my way to Nashville, Tennessee, and that's became a Tennessee State Tiger. It was the best decision of my life. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I remember. Well, I mean, I went to Tennessee State as well. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that, that, like, I knew of Nate, but I didn't know Nate like that. Like, who's in our different section? I think he was, like, a business major, right? Yeah. So, you was, like, all Slash hustler. Business, you know, you know, hustling the shoes and DVDs, the CD, clothes, the DVDs CDs. and all that. And I was, you know, I was a straight, you know, mass communications major, newspaper, radio station, uh, TV station, making movies and photography and all that. So, you remember the time where I, I invested you? You had because <laughs> you used to have a lot. Yeah. And would you? All right, you used to can around a, a, a gallon of water. Nah, nah, no, no, nah, nah, that wasn't me. I was probably had a a bag of, of DVDs. Okay, so I remember I was chopping it up with you one time in the cafeteria in the cab, and I was chopping. I think he was about to do a internship at East Saint Laurent. Yeah, I had um, and I had I was about to go to New York and had an interview with them. Yeah, you had the you had the clear cards. Yeah, <laughs> with the purple font. He had the this dude had clear business cards. I was like, yo, who is this dude giving me a a clear card where everyone else is just like, you know, yo, uh, yeah, just hit me up or whatever. But that's where I met him. So but tell me, like, about your experience at TSU and, like, what was the, you know, what was so beneficial about going to Tennessee State and, 
your experience as an HBCU in general, you know? Well, my experience at TSU, even though I went to Payne College, Payne College was small. Like the, it was, So when I got to TSU, it was just, it was beautiful to be around all these different types of black people. It was black people from all over the country. And it was people like from, in different levels, like different people that had different priorities. So it was people that was just there just to kick it and party. People were there trying to, you know, just trying to figure it out and do their grades and stuff. And then there was these people, and then you had the really studious people who, you know, were there about the academics. So it was just great to see just this diff- these different variety of people. Because at that time, even though Chicago was diverse, I still was was primarily exposed to a certain demographic, like on a consistent level. So it was just amazing just to just to see this little bubble of people that just. That was just dope. I mean, people was doing dope stuff. People had different aspirations. There was people with different types of money. You know, people was driving luxury cars. People was driving hoopties. You know, it was like the the sororities was popping. It was grown women there. It was just like a black mecca. It, it, the, what we what we imagine or dream of, it was reality at TSU. Where it was just this little world of just just beautiful black educated people and people striving for education like ex- educational excellence and that was very uh, inspiring as well I don't know like for people who have never been to an HBCU or even visited or homecoming like what what were like some of the highlights like give them some of the highlights of the HBCU because a lot of people only thing they they think about HBCU is they think of drumline that's like the only that's like the the most popular standard movie that we have to really give a, or in school days, those are the two movies that really are the most prominent. So like, and, and, and every, every HBC has their own thing and culture, but just give them like some highlights. Well, we had this thing called Wonderful Wednesdays. Right. And I mean, this is when, this is the fashion show day. Now every day, it was a fashion <laughs> show. You had girls going to class with heels on at like eight, nine in the morning. But every Wednesday, it was, it was incredible. Just imagine like the, the Deltas, which was, they was fine and deep. The AKs fine and deep. You know, the Sigma Gamma Rose was cute. The Zetas was cute. And then we just had girls that wasn't even in sororities just going to school that was just fine. And everybody just dressed up, you know, like just setting it out, looking they finest, you know what I'm saying? Like during the day. And then, and then this is it. They, and we all would, would uh, clamor to the student center. So, you know, they the different sororities have tables set up and, you know, just different cliques would be chilling in the student center, posted up, seeing what everybody looking like, trying to holler, trying to catch up, you know, or going to the, the student center, which had the cafeteria or the sub and the sub had uh, fast food restaurants in there. So we had Pizza Hut, Taco Bell. Burger King. Burger King. Yeah, Burger King. Yeah, and Burger King. Good so that was sandwich. in the sub. Yeah. Good old chicken. Oh, man, that chicken sandwich, boy. Eating that price, that uh, processed food, boy. Yeah. But um, no good in the Fruitopias. Yeah, oh, Fruitopia, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Fruitopia. Oh, then you had the uh, the dudes on from, from work release in prison was the, back there cooking the food. Yeah, they were, <laughs> and hollering at all the cute girls, you know, or some of the dudes that was serving, trying to use their job as a cover. <laughs> the Nashville Doughboys is up in there working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the statues of limitations have uh... yeah have expired. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was just all types of dynamics to just TSU. And then the best thing was that we had DJs. 
during the uh, during from like twelve to two. So you come to the student center, we got DJs spinning, you know, having a good time, people dancing, the, the sororities training and stuff. It's just a good vibe. People catching up on what they're doing, or really, you know, trying to figure out what party they're gonna go to during the week, or just even catching up on homework, which is the most important thing. We that's what we was there for. <laughs> right, right. That's what we was there for. Get your education, Cause, kids. Because what people don't understand about HBCUs is, I feel like a lot of time when people go to a school, you didn't have to leave campus to kick it. Because it was so many. You have a party in Keene Hall. You have parties. You know, people throwing sets. Mm-hmm. And they have, so it was like it wasn't like we had to go to clubs. Yeah, people went to clubs, but you could really kick it on campus. Yeah, and not have to leave. At all, yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah. Like you had the co-ed dorms and yeah, only one, but you know it was still like, you know, it's like you <laughs> you knew somebody who had a co-ed dorm room. You was like, oh, we good, you know, because you can kick it all types all times of the night up in there. Right, you wasn't limited, or you didn't have to sneak in because you know you know you had to pull some some sneak in moves after visitation hours or whatever. People pulling fire alarms, and yeah, stuff like that. But um, but just getting back to the memories, like. Wonderful Wednesdays was amazing. I remember it was like my, it might have been my first Wednesday. The Deltas, they had went in the sub, cut off the lights, and started playing Atomic Dog. Had a DJ play Atomic Dog and was training through through the sub. And it was just like, oh man, I I, I just remember thinking to myself, like, I, I made the best decision in my life. I'm so glad I'm, I'm so glad I'm Yeah. It was incredible. And they had like a line where they had like these like, it was like they were all like five, ten, and higher, and it was just like, oh, it was just incredible. I just never seen anything like this because I was just used to seeing like, like I said in Chicago, like you was know, Tuesday in there. I don't know. Nah, I might cut it out. Nah, nah. I might cut that out. But she went nah. there. All right, cool. cool but ja- but Jakeen was up in there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh, but look, but yeah, and, and even in that that that. Uh, my, my experiences at TSU, it was like the Greek weeks. So what happens is in the spring, oh, I forgot about Greek weeks. Yeah, each organization, it's been a while. they would have a Greek week. So the AKs would have a whole week dedicated to them and they their their events, and they would have the decorations take over the student center and everything. And then you had like the the um, the Deltas would have their week, the AKs, all of them, the Alphas. Um, the cat. Well, we didn't have any cappers then, so we they were kicked off the yard. So the cues and then the uh, the zetas and everything. So the memorable Greek weeks was the pajama party for the AKs, the luau for the alphas, pajama party for the alphas, and um, and with the pajama party for alphas, there was one at the, at the Palladium. It lasted for about. 45 minutes but I was one of the very few men <laughs> to get up in there so we was in line at this club and it was like packed so they what they would do is they would have all the girls come and they would um the alphas would be dancing and you know I guess stripping for the girls or whatever and then so it's like a club just full of alphas and maybe like I mean full of women and maybe a handful of alphas so we stand in line they hold in line we trying to get in and then I don't know what it is about me. I always have a point and go mentality, which is when I see an opening, I'm a point and I'm gonna go. So I saw a back door open to the club, and <laughs> me and my boy, we snuck in. Now we in there, I got the camcorder in my hand. I don't know where the footage is, but it's like me, I'm seeing girls in like like 
like lingerie with the with the with the top knee high uh, panties on with the garment, uh, the uh, the yeah, little the suspender, the suspenders on the side, on the yeah, side yeah, and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, oh, this is about to be the best party of my life. And then maybe like 25 minutes later, the guy, they said the party over. The fire marshal came and shut it down. And I was oh, like, man. just I was devastated. I was like, oh no, oh no. But I mean, I got the memory in my mind. But I, I mean, I was. It, it was it was incredible for the, about the, the the thirty minutes that I was in there total, or forty five minutes I was at the Palladium. It's also the utopia, yes, of being in a place where you don't have to worry about racism, yes, no no bigotry, no you don't have to worry about the bullshit that you got to deal with, and you know what I'm saying in America, uh, outside in, a, in that environment, like you in a you are in an incubator where it's just like all about true, well all you get, all you need to do is just focus on getting the education. And then, you know, finding your spouse, really. And I mean, that's that's pretty, and partying. That's really pretty much it, you yeah. know, having a good time. Yeah. So when you focus on those things, you're in a, a peaceful environment. You're like, man, this is like just the greatest experience on earth. And you and you in your prime, like your mind is fresh. You know, physically, you're in the, you know, the best shape, you know what I'm saying, of your life for the most part. And then at the same, and then also you're like discovering life and who you are. So these prime years of just developing as a as a human as a person are happening at this HBCU, and then so you when you re- relate all these good years and these great experiences that are happening back to back to back to back to back to back, like throughout the week, it's not like in the real world where you really might have a happy hour or or the weekend, you know what I'm saying, to hang out. Like you 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 have access to do all these incredible things and these great experiences and had these great memories like every single day. It's even small things with just playing uh, 007 in the dorm room with your boys all night long, you know, and just, you know, just competing on the on the, on the GoldenEye game, uh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? On the, Super you know, NES. Yeah, on the, on the old school system. Uh, and you yeah. just, you know, just chopping it up, figuring oh, life out with your boys. Too, right? Nah, it was uh, the Super NES. Yeah, it was Super NES. Yeah, Super NES. You know, playing Goldeneye, classic four four player. You know, game where you know I used to be a scrub and I became an assassin after you know a couple months of playing the game. All right, yo, we could we could stay on HBCUs forever, but let's. But look, look let me tell you that, the last right. two last memories of like HBCUs. All right, I had some great ones, but these are the ones that stand out. All right, the Cubs had a water gun fight. At Hadley Park, which was incredible. And then it carried over onto the campus. And then we just got super turned up. I wasn't there. You wasn't there. there And then we had a panty raid and we went and invaded (laughs) the freshman girls' dorm. And then we ran up in there. And then so what happened was we ran up in there, had the panty raid, right? Running through the halls. We over there turned up. And we all marched back to the other side of the campus, to our dorm. So then we all hanging out, like yelling through the window across from the, the it was two boys' dorms across from each other, Wilson and Boyd. I stayed in Boyd. And so we just Watson. like, Watson, Watson, and Watson and Boyd. Yeah. So we hanging out the window, just yelling, just being rambunctious, young having fun. And that's another side note. We was doing all this and we ain't had no, we have anybody like trying to stop us. We're not really like stop us, but we didn't have any outside influence or any law or whatever trying to like hamper our fun. But they, it, they, they was there, but they ain't go too hard. They ain't go hard. Yeah, they weren't like going to tackle you and rough you yeah, up. Yeah, it wasn't They was no, like, oh, you know. Yeah. You know, they, so, they more of like try to 
kind of make sure that no one went they was too at, crazy, but yeah. they wouldn't like... They was there to protect us yeah. from outside influences, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we hanging out the window, then we hear this commotion from all these girls. And then we just see like hundreds of girls come from around the corner. Like they was about it. They was like, they wanted revenge. And we getting ready, like doing push-ups, taking our shirt off, high-fiving, like, yeah, they about to come in here. Let's go. Oh yeah, we ready. And then out of the blue, the squad car comes, intercepts them, and they take off and run back to their dorm. And we yelling like, no! <laughs> no! It was like, it was like, like, like when your favorite team lost or when, when Russell Wilson threw that interception against the Patriots. It was like, oh, my God, no. How could this happen? We was about to have so much fun. And I, like I said, I have like years, years of, of memories. But, you know, that's that's a little excerpt of the, of the TSU experience for you. Yes. All right. So we're going to move on from uh, that portion. So just I mean, people know you as a travel expert. So. Well, define what you do and define like your passion. Give us some insight about that. Well, my passion is earth. I, um, well, <clears throat> a little bit of TSU. My professor at college, he had challenged my senior. He had challenged me to see more countries than him. He had gave me his autobiography, and he had been to over eighty countries. And he challenged me to see more countries than him and be an entrepreneur. So ever since that challenge, like I've just been infatuated with. We're like traveling around the world, seeing different cultures, tasting new foods, languages, hearing accents, just the whole, every everything that you experience when you leave a country, just the, the unknown, not knowing what's going to happen. Like those different adventures and those random stories, like everything about it just excites me. And, and just seeing a different part of, seeing a different part of the world. I just, I just never, never get tired of it. So at as Worldwide Nate, I have a, a travel show. It is a it's an online show right now, and I'm soon to be on television. That's always been my ultimate goal is to host my own travel TV show. And in my show, I do I, I experience a lot of adventure activities. I, I love to experience different cultures and learn about just unique cultures and everything about it, from the language to the dress to the perception of life and how they operate, just like societal norms that, that different countries have that have and how they live and just seeing how different parts of the world function because, I mean, I'm an American, but I know our way isn't the only way, so I enjoy those those differences and learning those things. And, of course, the food. I'm a professional eater. I have a bottomless pit as a stomach, so I never get tired of eating and I never miss a meal. So uh, partaking in different cuisines from around the world excites me. And um, and just just seeing just seeing what the world has to offer. What what would we say is a typical way to get started in your in what you do, and how did you get started? Yeah, well, I started off. I traveled. I went to Spain. My first few countries was was Barcelona, Roatan, Honduras, and Argentina. And I, what I would do is I would go on these trips, and I would when this is when MySpace was around. MySpace had a blog section, so I would just take pictures and capture my day from from um, from day one, from sunup to sundown. And I would notice that people would read my blogs and then leave comments and like, oh, that was awesome. And I'm like, well, you know, I just wrote, you know, just, just basically regurgitated verbatim what I, what I did during the day. I didn't have any 
like creative writing flair or any store, super storytelling skills. It was just like, hey, this is, it was a, a basic yeah. recap. Yeah. And people will read, you know, read it. And that was exciting to me. And I got, I guess I got bit by the, the, the blogging bug or the reporting bug. And, and I, I would go in and still, um, then I won't, now I would go in and take more trips. So I'll, I had bought a, a camera and I always had an affinity to do video. But just never had took the never just never started at that point. So I would I would take I would start to add little video clips into my into my footage into my blog posts, and then I um, eventually bought a camcorder, and I bought a camcorder and I tapped one of my friends who was into editing and you know learned started learn teaching myself how to edit on Final Cut Express when I had the white MacBook, and <laughs> work yeah, and I uh, was trying to learn everything I could through YouTube. And then, uh, so I had a video with with from 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 Rio. It was my first video I edited. It was seventeen minutes. <laughs> I had a sunrise that was about five minutes. And I remember somebody joked and was like, "Yo, we get it. It's a sunrise." <laughs> but for me, it's uh, the most I, beautiful I, sunrise ever. I, I think that was me. <laughs> yeah, I think that was me because I remember <laughs> Nate had hit me up and he was like, "Yo, check out this video." And I was watching it and I was like. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was like, yo, how come the 17 minute video with 13 minutes of it is the sunrise? Like, going, you gotta see this sunrise. Going on. This the I best know, sunrise ever. It's, it's, it could be like that because it's like when you're experiencing something that you're inspired by and that influences you and that you just find beautiful, like you did, it's like you're trying to let other people. In and you want people to see your point of view, but it doesn't always. So yeah, I, I understand what you, what, what, why you did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's so I had bought the camcorder, and then I would come. I would make one video. Then I was like, oh, I can make multiple videos. And then there was a moment that happened where the sky parted, the dove flew down, and it and the dove looked like it looked like Emil, and he said, I can help you edit this stuff and make it look better. And I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is what I needed. Because <laughs> I do not like editing. <laughs> yeah, editing is not, it's, it's, it's not sexy. That's why I tell a lot of people, like, editing is not sexy. Like, when I edit on shows, it's like, it's a dark, you're in the dark. You're watching all the footage. It's very tedious, but I feel like a lot of people like to direct because it's more directing is sexy because you're, telling people what to do. Even cameraman is more sexy than editing because the cameraman are seen and they got the big cameras and you don't. So editing is not for everyone. So I totally understand. So, um, so how, so from then to now, how would you say that technology and social media has affected your craft and, and what you do? Man, technology and social media has made it's made everything, it's made it easier. It's made, it's made the world more accessible because I could spend a, a few minutes or a couple hours online or on, on an app like Instagram or Twitter or, or Facebook and I can discover people from all around the world. So even right now, like I'm currently researching some episodes that I'm putting together for this TV show pitch and, and, and everything that I need to do I could do it from my fingertips through my computer on my phone. And, and and it's great because 
like for instance, I just became friends with a with a girl on Twitter that's in Zambia, and then and I wanted her to be a part of my show, or at least I can get some information about Zambia. And just with just going on Twitter, I can communicate with somebody. We're complete strangers, but it's just something because of that platform. You can just engage with people, and then this could be the start of a long term friendship. And, and so, if you could only use one social media platform, which one would you? prefer you think oh that's a tough question because the most efficient for what i would do is instagram okay but the one that i had the most fun with is snapchat okay all right and what would you say separates professionals from hobbyists consistency and, and quality of work okay you know, it's like people that are hobbyists, they, they do it um, very sparingly. And they may be able to do it. Some people might have that gift where they could do it sparingly and, and it could still look like a, like professional work because they just they just talented like that. Mm. And but the people that but but at the end of the day, hard work always outlasts talent. OK, I get that. So, so there's some people that could be they get they, get, they have a great work ethic because some people that's more talented. But then there's some people that have, that have a great work ethic, and then they, those are the people that um, that are always going to shine. All right. What What are some um, common misconceptions about what you what you do? What do you think? A common misconception would be that that I'm not working. <laughs> You're just traveling. It's like no. You may see you you see the 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 fun or you know the but that, that's because that's the story that I'm telling. But there's a lot of work that goes into bringing that story to you. Mm. So there is a lot of research, a lot of editing, a lot of, you know, trying things out and planning. And, yeah, planning. Yeah. So a lot of things that go into, a, you know, spending money. <laughs> so there, there's um, so those things that you don't see is people assume because then they see the final product. You know, you're entertaining people, so you want to make it look like, you know, you want to make it look fun and aspirational and inspiring. But a lot of times I may go some places and I'm working the whole time. So I've experienced it, but I wasn't able to experience it like for like 24, 48 hours of just sitting on the beach, drinking a cocktail and not doing anything. It's like, OK, mm-hmm. this might. OK, I got this shot. So I might have experienced it for about 10, 15 minutes. And I gotta go on to the next the next location or the next story. Or I may not even I'll have to get some sleep. I could be shoot out shooting all day and it might be a great party going on, but I can't go to it because I gotta get get some rest because I'm tired and I gotta get up for the next morning. Or I need to check the footage that I shot film so I can make sure I got all the shots that I got that I that I needed because if I'm in Brazil or Africa or Asia, I can't just run back and shoot it again. So it's so for me, I have to make sure I get everything I need before I leave. Otherwise, when I get back, I have to like sacrifice some of the story or whatever it may be just to make it make it pop. Yeah, because even when I'm on social media and I'll see someone with a cool photo, my first the first question that always comes to my mind is someone had to take that. You know what I'm saying? Mm. As the videos like. Someone had to take, even though you may never see them. That that's something that I always think about. So if if someone would say, I feel like a lot of times creators and different entrepreneurs, some people who are not in our fields, may look at it it's like, oh, that's easy. 
anyone can do that. So how would you how would you answer them if people was like, anybody can do what Nate's doing? I'm like I'm like, go try it. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Right, okay. I'm yeah, like, I feel like you know, everything I feel like looks easy until you try to do it yourself. So that's yeah. that's that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. And then the thing is you have to be you have to be passionate about it too because it is a lot of work. There is no safety net of you know get, getting a check every two weeks. So there's moments where you just have to deal with that too. It's like you know, like you might start off, and you 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 probably won't get paid, which is which is what I experienced for years, where I had to work twice as hard because I would have to work a job to pay bills, and then you know put in the time and effort and work that it needs that it needs to take to that I, that's needed to get the to 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 do worldwide Nate, whether it be at, you know filming, editing, doing research, writing blog posts, just everything that goes into it. So it's like working twice as, it's really working twice as hard, you know, mm-hmm. cause I, I'm not a trust fund baby. So I didn't, you know, wasn't able to ask my parents for a couple racks and be like, hey, I'ma just, you know, I got six months to just travel the world and, and you know, get this blog going. You know, unfortunately the generational wealth wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, so, so how would you how would you say that people fail in your profession or some common mistakes that people may do when they try to pursue what you're doing? That is a great question. Common mistakes. Well, I guess people they um they underestimate the consistency. Yeah. I, the way people fail is that they underestimate the the business aspect of it because for for you to be successful you have to your lifestyle ha- is com- is really you have to turn your lifestyle into a business right and for for a lot of people a lot of people that are successful then you you never close you're always open because your lifestyle is your business and you are you live in 24/7 so you you are working twenty four seven. So it's a transition into incorporating everything you do and and developing your sensory level, your cerebralness, the cerebral aspect of it. So if you see this beautiful sunset when you sunrise or rainbow when you walk outside the house, then it's like, oh, let me take a picture of this or capture it because right there, whatever emotion I was feeling or whatever struck me, that's the story right there. And you can you can engage in your audience and, and share that with them and share that moment because some people are in a building eight hours a day in an office and rarely get to see rainbows and the fact that you saw a beautiful rainbow could really inspire somebody. Um, so, what is one of your most memorable experiences that helped you to mold your passion, to mold your profession, and what you're doing? Oh man, the moment that stands out, I was in Roatan, standing on the beach in West Bay, in the West Bay of Roatan, which is an island, it's part of Honduras, it's off the coast of Honduras. And I was standing on the beach, and then this person told me that I was looking at this resort, and it was these, it was it was a resort was filled, filled with Italians just like kicking it. And I asked them, I was like, well, what's going on over there? And they was like, Well, this, this is resort, like so this all Italia. Uh, every every Saturday, we'll fly a plant a seven thirty seven in from Italy, full of Italians, and they'll kick it here for a week, and then they'll pick up people and take them back, and they do it every week. 
So it was just amazing to me that people from Italy know, knew about Roatan and would fly all the way across the world to come hang out in Roatan. And at that time, like all the black people I knew and people, my friends, they were just concerned about going to Miami, Vegas, uh, yeah. and, um, you know, L.A., and, and, or, you know, maybe the Caribbean and now, you know, a few places in the, Puerto Rico or something like that. And then that was it. Right. Bahamas. And, yeah. And it, I was like, oh, I was like, if I had this opportunity to go travel the world, then I, I, it's my responsibility to show my, my friends and my audience that there's more of the world to see. And that was like a, a, a very inspiring moment for me. Now, do you have a artist philosophy or a mission statement that you live by yeah man this is philosopher his name is Lil Terrio <laughs> he said get buckets <laughs> oh kill him <laughs> so that's that's what I live by I try to get buckets and kill him right. <laughs> no I uh <laughs> nothing about the <laughs> <laughs> ooh, <Right>. ooh! <laughs> Shout out to Lil Terrio, Lil Terrio, man, that's my dude. But uh, but no, I mean, I, I read a lot of stuff and, and heard a lot of things, but stuff that I retain and I wake up every day. It, you know, it's like that's the that's the downside of being a digital age. You consume so much information. But uh, I um, I couldn't think. I can't think of nothing that comes to my head right now. Okay, okay. But oh, but you know what my mantra is? I actually I created this. It's it's really simple. It's like it's it's keep it global and and I'm and always always live on a global adventure. Now how do you recognize fans of your work? Like when they you know, how you how are you with that? Man, I recognize fans by by uh comments, engagement, like or consistency with you know people that like my 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 stuff, especially on like Instagram and uh, and Facebook and and yeah, on Instagram and Facebook when people comment or like different things that I post, that um that's pretty cool right there. And but I but, but I, I, I know you do the postcards. Oh yeah, but I got my postcards. yeah, and I have my um on Snapchat I have my mural hunting. Okay. With mural hunting is something I created where like I, I I love street art, so I go to different cities and I capture the mem- the murals that I like, and then I get people opportunity to screenshot the the snap, and so the people that screenshot it, the one that has the most screenshots, I'll create I'll turn that into a postcard and mail it to people, which is uh, which is pretty cool because it, it be people that follow me on Snapchat they're able to have a piece of of that that destination at that time because eventually that mural is gonna get painted over, but that postcard they'll have it forever, and it's always um, a keepsake that yeah. they'll have. Yeah, and it's like that's dope because it's like when you follow follow some people on Snapchat, it's like, oh man, that's cool. Or you may send them a message and they may not respond. Yeah, but then so, it, so sometimes it feels like they're not touchable even though you know they exist and you know they're doing that but to take a screenshot and they get a postcard it's like oh wow i am someone listened to me Mm -hmm. i'm engaged and we're it's an interactive experience as opposed to just watching like oh dj khaled is is doing this concert but it's like you see it 
but you can't you can't interact with yeah, DJ it's not Khaled. tangible. Yeah, so uh, I think that's dope that you do the postcards. And what are some of your sources of motivation and inspiration? Where do you find motivation and inspiration to do uh, what you do? Man, my main motivation is I want to. I don't want to fail because I don't want to have to go get a day job. That's my main motivation. Okay. <laughs> like Common said, I'm writing for my life, so I don't have to get a day job. Right, right. But uh, yeah, I just uh, I I want to see the world three different ways. It was actually like four different ways. Mm. Three and a half. It's like the eight, the eight way. Yeah, like four ways, which mm. is single by myself. I want to see it with my spouse. I want to see it with my kids, and I want to see it with my mother. Okay. So those are those, those are those four different experience experiences that I want to have, and that's what keeps me motivated to keep building the brand. And also, when people like reach out to me for questions about different countries, that really, I get, they really gets me excited, and, and I would say turns me on and just like keeps me motivated because it's like because the thing because people see me as a resource, a, a, a viable resource, as an expert. And then they they trust my information and that I give them, which is great because you know it shows that you know I've, I've done my job because they like because they think they 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 find me synonymous with travel. So they're right. like, okay, if I want to go to Cuba, oh Nate went. Let me ask Nate because he he's gonna know everything that I need to. He's gonna tell me everything I need to do to go. Right. Or they may not even they may not even know that I went to that country, but they know if it's something international. Let me hit up Nate. And ask him if he don't know, he'll good. find out for me. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. Or you know, he may he may have been the likelihood. So they they um so it's, it's and it, and so with that being said, it, it's motivation to to get to visit more countries and be able to put that information up so people can have it when they go to my site or if they hit me up, I can say, hey, go to my website and go to the search button and type in that country, and there's going to be some information about that destination as well. Mm. So it's um, it's very motiva- it's motivating me to you know just keep my website robust with information so people can discover the world and, and see the world because I believe that the more we see the world and see the differences and see that always isn't the only way, make the world a better place. You know, it's like, like I was watching this Trevor Noah interview and he was he made a good point. He was saying that, you know, the more you step into other people's worlds, then you then you know, racism can't exist. So if if it's a white person that thinks, you know, black people are, you know, scumbags, but they probably don't have any black friends. But if they have some black friends and they'll know like, oh, okay, like, nah, I can't say that, you know, all black people are this or scumbags or I can't even myself I can't be like oh white people are racist you know I can't say that because that's not true mm-hmm. you know because I, I have white friends <laughs> so is so that's the thing is when you go to these different countries you know somebody says something that's pretty you know ignorant statement or just an uninformed statement I could be I could tell them from my experience well no that's not actually true I've been there and I and this is why and and that's what I enjoy that that's what motivates me as well yeah, because that's dope to just have that global global mindset because a lot of the information that we have about other people or other countries or other experiences is like TV, social media. But unless you actually talk to that person, you really don't you really don't have that that connection. So that's a really good point. All right, so coming to the end of this interview, but I have another uh little segment real quick. 
Yeah. I got a little name that tune. So I want to play you a little track. Can't peek at, the, at what I'm looking at. Man, let's let's do it. You know, I know my ears are cute. Yeah. Play that track, son. All right. So uh, I'm going to play this track, and then you just got to. I want to see if you could guess the artist mm. of this. Let's do it. This track. So. Let's go to the most. What? All right. You ready? Yeah. Here you go. Oh, come on now. What do you mean? <laughs> That's Fela. Water get no enemy. I first heard this song at APT in New York City at the Meatpacking District. Okay. I was kicking it. Rich Medina was spinning. One of my favorite DJs. If I can afford him, he'll spin at my wedding. But I went up to Rich. <laughs> I went up to Rich and I was like, who is this? Because the whole crowd was going crazy. He said, uh-huh. Google Fela Cootie will change your life. And I said, huh? He said, Google Fela Cootie will change your life. And I went home and Google Fela and it changed my life. I was like, wow, who is this dude? I mean, great music, made, recorded over 50 albums. Nigerian version of James Brown, Afro funk, created Afro beat, Afro soul. Yeah. Yeah, Fela. What music are you listening to right now? Like, what's currently in your rotation? <sighs> so many good things. Like, Tribe Called Quest. Right, right. Uh, the uh, Childish Gambino. Yeah, it's, it's funky. Solange is popping. Solange stay in a rotation for me, for sure. Yeah, I yeah. love some Solange. I actually like uh, 28, 2088, which is um, Big Sean and Janae Aiko. Oh, word. I like their album. Okay. Uh, man, I had, um, I've been bumping some old school 3-6 Mafia lately. Really? Yeah. I've been okay. bumping some I ran into some Memphis people and inspired me to put together a three six mafia playlist. All right. Tapping in Tennessee roots. All right, all right. Um, you know, gangster walking in here. Uh, <laughs> word, word. <laughs> yeah, uh so it's um I mean, I listen to so much music. Who else am I listening to? I like uh this dude named Daniel Caesar mm-hmm. from Canada. He's tight. Um yeah, that's that's um, party next door. Listen to him a little bit. J Cole, party Kendrick. Door. I always thought that was a group. I never knew it was just like one person. <laughs> yeah, it was like party next door. His first sound. album. I, I haven't listened to his second or third album, but his first album is cracking. Okay. All right. What what um uh, what's a little known fact about you that people would be surprised to know? Dang man, you got me stumped. Um. Oh, that used to have dreads. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you when didn't did, go when to when did you cut them off? In like 2007. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so most people don't even. I didn't have any any worldwide Nate footage episodes with with me with dreads. So the people oh, that okay. know me with dreads was like TSU mm. was primarily TSU people. Mm. And then um. Oh, another fact is that I had went by my middle name until I turned, so I went to college. So really? my, my middle name is Kurt, <laughs> oh, okay. which is spelled K-U-R-T. So everybody like pre-98, well, they'll still, I mean, some people have converted over to Nate and Nathan, but a lot of people will be like, Kurt. <laughs> think. Worldwide Nate, worldwide Kurt. <laughs> I think worldwide Nate has a better yeah. ring to it. Yeah, worldwide definitely. Kurt, worldwide Nate. All right, cool, yeah. cool. 
I so people tend to say has something to fall back on. If you were not an artist or or a creator in your field, what would you be doing? I'd be in real estate. Okay. Why why real estate? Because it's a it's the best investment. It's what wealth is built upon in America. So I would be owning properties, having tenants, flipping, doing all that stuff, rehabbing. But yeah, I would be I would be in the real estate. All right, cool. So you own any real estate now? <laughs> yeah. All right. So you just be doing more of what you already doing? Yeah, more. That's what that'd be the fallback. All right. So what? advice would you like to give others or 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 what's some advice that you wish you were given before you you started about being on your career path like dang if they would have told me that if i would have known this before i even started all this maintain my credit <laughs> got you your credit score is so important it makes things so much easier but yeah, that's the one thing I wish somebody would grab you by my neck and it really like vigilantly explain the importance of credit, how to manage it, and just like just the whole the whole pie and you know just just everything and would have just I wish somebody would have just even opened up had me make open up a credit card and just took it away from me and just I would have never used it and just paid the made sure that the annual fee was paid or something or you know just. Things like that. Like I got, yeah. I got a little little intern now, and I just was schooling him on credit, and he don't have any credit, so I was just schooling him on that, and I was just telling him the importance of it, and showed him some YouTube videos to break break credit down for him, so he can have a better understanding, and just really just um, things that I wish somebody would have told me. I'm using the opportunity to to pay be able forward. to pay it forward yeah. and invest in him. Just you know, even on the creative side, just buying him some books and that he needs to read and exposing him to to dope people in Chicago that are doing a lot of amazing things and people that he's probably look, looking up to or aware of now, but you know, introducing him firsthand and even uh, waiting for the opportunity to take him on a trip so he could, you know, see more of the world as well. Mm. And just, uh, cause he's 20, 22, 23 years old right now. So he's um, right where I was when I was graduating and, and trying to figure out life. So I just want to, be able to, you know, I guess that's the social experiment. I had, I experienced, you know, I had this, the self, the firsthand experience, social experience, mm. experiment, you know, test one is me, but now, you know, it's gonna be test two to see how like somebody's life, or how, how the outcome would be of their life and their progress. If somebody instills like things that I deem to, would have had me ahead of the game, a little further ahead of the game right now, if I would have really like, been forced to digest that information and apply it. What is your your most popular video? You say I would say Cuba about Havana episode I did about Havana. All right. So for those who haven't seen it, give us some highlights and some insight. Like, why did you go to Cuba? What are some of the things you you did there? And just just tell us about what made that experience so dope. And yeah, just go ahead. Well, I went to Havana. I went to Cuba for my birthday, and I went to other parts of the island. But this episode, I focused on Havana, and it was dope because Cuba is such a mysterious place. Like, there's not a lot of information about it online, and 
it's just been cut off from us as Americans. So it was just, it was a cool discovery just to go to the, to the country and just to see it in like, just in a time warp, like the old buildings from the sixties. No, you know, there's not any modern buildings. The buildings, I don't think anything new buildings have been built past the sixties and all the cars that populate the street. And then what was surprising was to see all the, 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 the black Cubans, you know, there's a lot of Brown, brown dark-skinned cubans so like what you what you would typically think of like the like lighter fair-skinned cubans they those seem those people seem like the minority and that was pretty cool and just seeing just propaganda i guess or just posters with che guevara and fidel and just knowing that we're in cuba this is the the little island that, that stood up to the u.s and has, it hasn't crumbled and they say they're communists and Fidel was still living at the time. So it was pretty awesome. And just the highlights of the video was just being able to show people that I had this, I didn't know what to expect when I got to Cuba. And at every turn or every day that I was able to to experience Cuba, it actually was like like uh, writing a story as I, as I lived each day and discovering Cuba from my own personal narrative as opposed to uh, what what media has told me. And I mean, and then some of the media perceptions were there, but those were destroyed as well. And I was able to form my own opinion. And then, and then what's interest, interesting about Cuba is depending on who you talk to, somebody would totally agree with, with my experience and what I experienced because of, you know, the, you know, the, the human right issues and what if you believe in what Castro did or, or didn't. So it's, it's, it's going to be contrasting experiences and it's just it was just uh it was great to like not have to have limited access on the internet and just be be just plug away and just experience being there and just even when i was there with my camera and my boy dj froggy shout out to him we just had even when we were waiting for food we just had great conversation because we couldn't sit there and be distracted by seeing what's going on on facebook or snapchat or instagram we just was chopping it up so it was cool to just get back to those simple times in life and and experience that which i don't know if any other place in the world besides a place that just has shoddy internet access where you can actually do that um i have no we had no choice you know and um so that was cool that was cool and in, in the episode i go uh we stayed at a riding the, the classic cars Major Lazer had a concert there, experienced that, went to, to Hemel Alley and experienced like the Afro-Cuban culture with the Santeria, which is like a Nigerian Catholic religion. So it just had so many different different layers to it, just all contrasting, nothing was nothing was the same and it was great. Future announcements, I know you're working on a lot of things. You don't want to give away too much of what you're doing. But what are some, you know, what are you doing? What what can we expect to see from you soon? Any announcements? Well, you know, stuff like that. Well, 2017, knock on wood, this TV show. TV show will be on air, so I'm working on that. Really can't say the network right now. We're still working on the details of the deal. But, you know, Worldwide Nate be in Africa going back to the continent, to the motherland. I'm going to take a DNA ancestry test, find out where I'm from, you know, hopefully, you know, see see where I'm from, try to reconnect with my with my cultural heritage, 
you know, achieve my, you know, have some identity. I think that'd be, I think that I think about it. I think that'd be an interesting experience. You know, it, it'll be like emotional, and then like, right. then it's like, then it's a whole nother different type of discovery because even in Africa, like a country could have two hundred and fifty tribes. Right. So it's not, you know, it's like it's still like you. I can identify the country, but even like getting down to the tribal language and culture and customs. I mean, it, it wouldn't give me that information, but mm. it's like, all right, I'm gonna just choose this one. This sounds cool with me, and just rock with it. It's still the same, same country. Mm. So that's what it is. But I think that'd be, um, I think that would help even with just even identity, you know, and, and as far as being a, you know, a Black American and just being in this this like vortex of of life. <laughs> you know, right? It's like, oh, I'm American, but you know, America don't really accept you. You got to deal with racism and stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm African, but then it's like, well, where? <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm this, I'm this continent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm this continent. Somewhere over there. Somewhere over there. Yeah. But to actually pinpoint and be like, oh, okay, I'm like Senegalese. Like, all right, let me learn this. Or from Ghana, like, let me, you know, I can at least learn a language and you know, have a flag flying somewhere and just, you know, start even reading the history of the kingdoms and stuff that existed in, in cultures, that'd be cool. Yeah. I watched a show called Inside the Actors Studio and they have this thing called the Pivot Questionnaire. And it's a way you, you ask 10 questions, 10 varying questions to just give people a, a wide range of knowing about their beliefs and who they are as a person. First question is, what is your favorite word? Befuddled. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Gerrymander. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Meeting new people. What turns you off? Meeting stupid people. No. <laughs> 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 no, uh, what turns me off is um, it's like lack of fun, like when there's no when people aren't like when people aren't trying to have fun or if it's just mm. if it's just not fun, it's like that's that turns me off. Okay, what is your favorite curse word? Fuck. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? A cuckoo clock. What? Sound or noise do you hate? Oh, uh, when somebody scratches their throat. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? A singer. What profession would you definitely not like to do? A garbage man. Alright, and the last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. Alright. So that's it. That is the pilot episode of Supercalifragilistic Espiala Dope Don't shit. shit. You can check us out at uh, superdopeness.com. And that's where you could, you know, see the links and get more information about our guest today and, you know, all that. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Make sure y'all subscribe on iTunes right now if you haven't already so make sure you subscribe so we're gonna be updating these as as much as we can once a week 
I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. We're going to be putting them out once a week. So uh, make sure you subscribe and stay in touch with us. Again, my name is Emiliano Styles, and, you know, superdopeness.com. We out here. Yeah. Yo, yo, I'm trying to play living. Right. See you at the end, bro. This is the daily operation, my concentration They focused on my recitation About to reach my destination With no pause or hesitation Baby, make the preparation Cause this ain't no recreation This is pro ball And we letting you know, y'all At the show, y'all Doing this for dough, y'all Get the phone call And I'm ready to blow, y'all About to go, y'all Been a pleasure to know, y'all, y'all.